the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. He was pierced, right? He's the firstborn of the dead. We understand what that means. Those are figures of speech that refer to his death and his resurrection. Follow the text wherever it takes you, no matter what your preferences are. Don't just read the books that affirm what you already believe. Don't just read the people who agree with you. Read everybody. Better yet, pick up the Bible Pick up the text, pick up the book, and read. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the anthem for all my life. Every dragon will fall. The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Oh, nothing is impossible Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues with the Future Grace series, an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to Revelation chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Then thirdly, there was the effect of the the epistle. The effect of the epistle. When we read it and respond to it, we experience blessedness. We experience blessing. It is the same word that begins the Beatitudes. Blessed, right? Happy is the one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who read aloud the words of this prophecy And blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. That's why this epistle is so important, because the time is near. We are living, we are marching headlong into the end times. Time is short and getting shorter every day, and our call and our calling is a calling of urgency. And that's why we have to pick up and read this book. We have to pick up and read this epistle. We need not worry about it, be afraid of what's in it. We need to rejoice with what we find. We need to to dig down deep into it. We need to pick up and read. And so a natural common sense reading of the text is in order. What do the words say? What do the words mean? What then shall we do? And for one thing, when you look at this, what you have to understand is this epistle is a real letter from a real person. It's, a, it's, a, it's an epistle. 
And you know, when you look at the epistles, whether it's the Pauline epistles or the Petrine epistles or the Johannine epistles, they are written in very straightforward language to communicate clearly concrete ideas that we have to embrace, facts and realities. They need to be taken seriously. They need to be taken literally. Now, how do we know this is an epistle? Well, we see this here. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, John is a real person. He's writing to seven churches in Asia, and it says, grace to you and peace. That is an epistolary formula that you find throughout the epistles. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace. It's a real letter from a real person. Written to real churches. Written to whom? Real churches. Where do we see that? To the seven churches that are in Asia. What does the text say? To seven types of churches that will one day exist throughout the pages of church history? It's not what it says. To seven theoretical churches? To seven kinds of people who are reflected in this imagery of seven churches? That's not what it says. To the seven churches that are in Asia. Real churches. How do we know that? Because we know that from the context. If we pick up and read and we work our way through this text, we'll arrive sooner or later to Revelation chapter 2. And we will see these churches named by their location. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. These were letters of preparation, letters of warning, letters of exhortation written to these churches. They all got a copy of this book. These aren't theoretical churches. And he has something to say to each and every church based on their level of faithfulness. And one of the things about this is only two of these churches get a passing grade. So it's written to seven churches that are in Asia. The text says so, the context says so. And by extension, of course, because God has preserved this text and transmitted it and sent it to us down through the ages at the cost of many lives and many people's efforts in the service of their Savior, it's a letter written to us too. And we'll get to what would Jesus think about our church when we get into the letters of the seven churches in chapters two and three. But he's written so that his servants can learn, can be prepared. And this letter has something to say to each and every one of those seven churches about their future. And who wrote this letter? Well, this is a letter from a real God, an eternal God. This letter tells us about God. Where do we see that? From him who is and who was and who is to come. Well, what does that tell us? That he always was that he is and he always will be and that Christ is, was and always will be and is returning. This book cannot be underestimated either historically or theologically because we learn about the future, we learn about the sovereignty and eternality of God and Christ. It was a book written for our instruction that we might have hope through the scriptures, that we might find endurance in the difficult times as we trust in an eternal God. 
who is sovereign, who is over everything, who keeps his promises, who is and was and is to come. And this letter comes, if we read the text and say, what does it say, what does it mean, and what do we do? This letter comes through a literal savior. Not a theoretical savior, not a metaphorical savior, a literal savior. Where do we see this? And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. What does the text say? Who is he? He is the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn of the dead. Sounds like Colossians, doesn't it, a little bit? It's because, remember, this, this epistle touches on many, many books of the Bible, every section of the Bible, including the epistles. This testimony, this witness, this message comes through a literal Savior who died and rose again. How do we know that? The firstborn of the dead speaks to the fact that he is a literal savior, a literal savior who was literally resurrected, a savior who really and literally rose from the dead, the firstborn of the dead. He died and resurrected. We understand him to be the son of God, God the son, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Revelation tells us a lot about him. It's amazing the power of a sentence when you just read it for what it says. The firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. Tells you that Jesus was no ordinary man. He is a savior who rose from the dead and he is the master of the universe and he is sovereign over the kings of the earth whether they want to embrace his sovereignty or reject it and experience the cost of that. That's what the text says. That's what it says. He is sovereign. How do we know he's sovereign? Because he is described by God here as the ruler of the kings of the earth. What else does the text tell us about him? And this is what, so this is revelation. This is what revelation reveals. This is what is happening in the first seven verses, the first few sentences of the book. It tells us that he is a savior who literally died in our place to free us from the penalty of our sins. How do we know that? How do we know? What does the text say? What does the text mean? How then shall we think? It says, to him who loves us. That should make us very happy indeed. That's why this is a happy book. And to to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. To him who loves us, loves us in an ongoing, enduring way, and has freed us in the past at the cross from our sins, how? By his blood, through his sacrificial substitutionary death. He died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead, did he? He's the firstborn of the dead. He resurrected as sort of, the Bible says elsewhere, a first fruits of our salvation. For the joy set before me endured the cross on our behalf, despising its shame. What else does the text say? God in Christ has made us his representatives here on earth. Where does it say that? Look again at verses five and six. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. 
and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, intercessors, go-betweens between the lost and the kingdom, great commissioners, right, to go forth and to share the gospel, a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Think about that. Is that all it says? It isn't. Because verse 7 says something really startling, something really glorious, something really powerful about this Jesus, this sovereign God who has dominion over everything, who is the ruler of the kings of the earth, the firstborn of the dead, the one who has conveyed this message to us, the one who has died in our place, rose again to show us that we could trust him. He has a message for us. The time is near. These are the things that must soon come and it ends with this punctuation point. Verse seven. Behold, which means look. He is coming with the clouds. What does that mean? I mean, what will that be like? Because you don't want to miss it. You know, people have thought they've missed it all over the place, right? First and second Thessalonians, a lot of the topic there was somebody had told the church that he'd already returned, that the resurrection had already taken place. And Paul wrote to say, no, no, it hasn't. And then even in 1 Corinthians, people were afraid of that. And he dealt with it in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, that no, the dead in Christ shall rise first in the first resurrection. Then we who remain, those who are born again, will meet him in the air, right? That kind of blows up the whole idea that in some uh, eschatological economies that the first resurrection was really just people getting saved. 1 Corinthians 15 blows that to smithereens. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Literally, not figuratively, not spiritually, not metaphorically, but visibly. Visibly. Unmistakably. If there's such a word, I'm getting ready to, if there isn't, I'm going to make up a new word for the English vocabulary. Unmissably. Where do we see that? How do we know that? Look at the tail end of uh, verse 7. And every eye, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Even those who pierced him. Who might that be? That would be the Jewish people. So this message indicates that the world will see his second coming. That it, it will not be missed. It is a return that will be seen and felt by all. How do we know that? Let's look a little further. All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. That would be hard to miss. Everyone will see his return. And some will rejoice, some will grieve over him who they have pierced as those who grieve for a firstborn son, and some will wail because they understand 
their rejection and continued rejection of him is going to be costly, costly indeed. What does the text say? All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. What do we make of all this? That he is coming in the clouds, as the text says, that every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, all the people of the earth. This is a literal, visible, unmissable second coming. Every eye will see him. Is there any way we could confirm that? Maybe, maybe I'm reading something into the text that isn't there. Well, that's where you let Scripture interpret Scripture. Scripture explains Scripture. Scripture clarifies Scripture. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, which we read in the opening Scripture, right? We read this. It's talking about Jesus. He's with his disciples. They've asked him, is now the time? Is this this the time where you're going to restore the kingdom? And he says this, beginning in verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud, don't miss that, a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... He went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come, will come back, will return in the same way you saw him go into heaven. He was taken up in the clouds and he's going to be returning with the clouds. He had a literal ascension and there will be a literal return. And behold, he is coming in the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. And what about the Jews? Has the church replaced Israel? Is the church Israel or is, are the people of God Israel and the church? Well, Zechariah 12.10 sheds some light on that. Is God done with Israel? Zechariah 12.10. And I will pour out on the house of David. And that term, the house of David, is not used for the church in the Bible. It's used for Israel. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace. And please for mercy, so they will turn to him and cry out for mercy. And he will put on them a spirit of grace. So that, for the purpose of, what does the text say? What does the text mean? What do we understand? When they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps for a firstborn. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, the things which must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. 
Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming in the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. So what do you do with all this? How then shall we interpret the text? How then shall we interpret the letter? Literally. Literally. And when I say literally, I don't mean woodenly. Some people say, well, you know, Jesus said he was the door. We talked about that before. It doesn't mean he has hinges. We understand figures of speech. But he is the door. And when Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, how long I've desired to gather you under my wing like a mother hen her chicks we know he doesn't have feathers but we know he wants to gather in his people we inter- we do recognize figures of speech and things like that but we take the text literally how then shall we interpret answer literally so by way of application here are four approaches to the scripture that you should take interpret the text literally not woodenly recognize figures of speech for what they are figures of speech he was pierced right he's the firstborn of the dead we understand what that means those are figures of speech that refer to his death and his resurrection follow the text wherever it takes you no matter what your preferences are don't just read the books that affirm what you already believe don't just read the people who agree with you read everybody better yet pick up the bible pick up the text, pick up the book and read and follow what it says to its logical, reasonable, natural conclusion, taking a reasonable, natural reading of the text. And fourth, search the scriptures to see if these things are true. See, you know, that's what good Bereans do. We want to read to understand. We want to take that revelation that God has uncovered for us and apply it to our lives and live with understanding in light of these things because the time is near. We want to read and to understand and respond to God's word and call, don't we? As we read Revelation with a plain and natural reading of the text, we will come to understand what the text says, what the text means, and how then we shall live. In the meantime, pick up and read. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've written to be understood, Lord, that you are the great communicator. You have made yourself known to us through your word. You have given us understanding by the Spirit who empowers us to read, to pick up, to read, to understand, and to do. Father, let there not be division, but a unity around your word. 
a unity around your purposes, Lord, and may lives and souls and eternal destinations and destinies be transformed in the process. To the glory of God, to the good of others, and for our own growth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.